Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Luca. I'm very pleased to have Daniel joining us in this discussion as we perform a case study on Joan of Arc. In this podcast, we will answer questions such as who was Joan of Arc, who was Frederick Schiller, as well as historical inaccuracies in Schiller's play, Jean Fru von Orleans. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Welcome, Daniel. So tell us, who was Joan of Arc? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. A fierce warrior and a legend for centuries, Joan of Arc was born during the 100-year war between England and France. Joan of Arc was raised by two peasants in the French countryside. Deeply faithful and humble, her parents taught her how to help out around the house at a very young age, even her mother teaching her how to sew. At the age of 13, she claimed to begin seeing visions and hearing voices of divine prophecy. She claims her first divine experience came when sitting in her father's garden when she heard the voice of St. Michael coming from the nearby church they visited every Sunday for sermons. Upon following the sound of the voice, she claimed to have seen the clear image of St. Michael accompanied by angels. She then later reported having heard the voices of St. Margaret of Antioch and St. Catherine of Alexandria. All three saints had granted her a divine mission from God that Joan of Arc was to meet with Charles VII and help expel the English forces from France. Joan traveled to meet the French prince. However, suspicious of her claim, Charles VII disguised himself amongst the nobles to watch Joan. Upon entering the room, Joan of Arc immediately recognized him, something impossible as she had never seen him before. After many interrogations, the heir and the church finally believed her claim. Joan called to send a message to the English king, claiming that she is the new military leader of France and demanding that they leave France or else she will be forced to expel them in any way she deems necessary. In fear of betraying God's orders, the French people followed Joan into battle. Her ultimate goal was to free Orleans of English rule. After many fierce battles, she managed to drive the English out of Orleans. Praised for her leadership skills, Joan of Arc became a legend. She returned to Charles VII and told him that he must be coronated as ordered by God's will. Charles VII was then officially coronated and became the King of France, and Joan of Arc had completed her mission. However, things changed when the French government decided to negotiate peacefully with the English overland. Many French troops were sent home, weakening Joan of Arc's position as head of their military. Going against King Charles VII, Joan of Arc continued to lead her army against the English. Joan of Arc led her army to the city of Compagnie. Severely, severely outnumbered, the French army lost and Joan of Arc was captured. Seeing her influence on France, the English wished to desecrate her image entirely and planned on charging her against heresy and claimed that her voices were guided were not guided by God, but rather of evil. Supportive of Joan, King Charles VII would lose vast amounts of power, vast amounts of political power, if she was found to be guilty by the Catholic Church. Her trial began and the Catholic Church interrogated her incessantly, asking questions about whether, about everything they could in hopes of finding contradictions. Joan remained true to herself, though in the end, she was found guilty of crimes such as idolatry, witchcraft, and others. Joan of Arc was condemned to burning at the stake. Her execution would be done at the market square in the city of Rome. As she burned, city onlookers claimed that her final words were the desperate shouts of the name Jesus Christ. 
And that is the story of Joan of Arc. Thank you so much, Daniel, for going in depth on who this uh, Joan of Arc was. Now we're going to go and dive into who Frederick Schiller is. So Frederick Schiller is a famous German playwright. His father was appointed to the superintendent of the gardens and the plantation of Ludwigsburg, the residence of Duke Karl Eugen of Wittenberg. The Duke demanded that Frederick go to a military academy, the one run personally by Duke. His parents hoped to train him in the ministry. However, they reluctantly obeyed. For eight years, he trained in the military academy, and from there sprung his resentment towards the abuse of power, which, see, which is seen throughout many of his plays. While in the academy, he secretly began writing. His first play followed a stirring protest against the corruption of high officials. Writing this play went against academy orders, and he was forced to flee and go into hiding, where he continued writing his many works. In his play, The Maid of Orleans, he tells the story of Joan of Arc. However, in the ending, he changes it so that she is killed in the battlefield rather than captured by the English and eventually burned at the stake. Do these historical inaccuracies, in your view, lessen the value of the work? Well, personally, I don't believe that they lessen the value of the work. Aristotle argues that tragic poetry can enhance the value of a story by revealing its truth something that can't be shown by simply retelling history as it happens. By taking true historical events and reworking them to capture the emotions of the characters in those moments, the true story can truly be revealed. By just stating the story as historically accurate as possible, we lose the emotional connection to these characters, and a story is always driven by the reader and audience's connection to these characters. That is very true, Daniel. As a counter-argument for justifying the original ending, the original is both familiar and congruent with other classic stories where a society receives a divine messenger, yet fails to accept them and integrate them, leading to a catastrophic tragedy. This is reflective uh, by the story of Jesus, or to some extent, uh, the story of Noah's Ark and the flood. Upon knowing that the flood would occur, Noah began building his ark. People watched him build this ark in his intentions for repenting his sins, yet the people did not choose to repent for their own sins, thus leading them to drown in the flood. This exploration uh, of warnings and prophetic messages would simply not be possible with an alternate ending. Now, to create my own separate argument, the original ending includes an underlying message to question our own judgment as well as the judgment of an organized society or organizations. This idea of the herd mentality can be seen in stories such as the town of Salem, uh, where women are lynched, thought to be witches. The tragic ending reflects the violent opinion that the French had towards women at that point in history, especially during this tense apocalyptic atmosphere of the late Middle Ages and the desperation that the French had to discover if she, Joanne, was a prophet or fake. The audience painting Joan as dying a noble death removes the punchline of her unjust death. As Plato argues, 
artists must maintain accuracy and truth throughout their works. And Joan simply did not die in the battlefield. Those are very great points, but I might add that Joan has become a legendary character and a hero and inspiration to many people. And art is also very influential on our reality and how we perceive the world. Telling the story of her failing and being captured and eventually killed is such a tragic death for such an inspirational hero and thus takes away the value and status that she holds as a person that people look up to. That's a very interesting point, Daniel. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that the original ending explores the abuse of power and the hypocrisy between the Roman Catholic Church and Joan, a true believer carrying God's will. Joan saw the imagery of the church as manipulating. In the pursuit to protect her own power, uh, excuse me, in the pursuit to protect the church's own power, the church condemned Joan to her death, executing her for following God's word. Without the original ending, the audience would not explore this idea. Showing this outcome is what made Joan a symbol of a martyr and a saint due to her absolute faith in God. Those themes are very important. However, not knowing the historical context of that prevents the readers or audience from truly understanding the story. I, for example, if I, for example, read the original story and I didn't know anything about the 100 years war or the relationship between the English and French, I wouldn't have a true understanding of the story. Why is Joan specifically French? Why not English? Why did the story paint the French as the good guys and the English as the bad guys? Maybe the story is actually telling us that a peasant can never truly succeed since Joan failed. Even the historical context of knowing Frederick's personal relationship to the abuse of power takes away from the significance of Joan's trial and death. Without the knowledge, the story can be misinterpreted as the playwright, as if the playwright dislikes the Catholic Church or that the story is trying to tell us that the Catholic Church is evil when the main theme of the story is simply how the church and the English government abused its power against Joan, not that they are necessarily evil. Wonderful. Uh, those were very good points, Daniel. I believe these perspectives uh, that we have shared are rooted both in concrete arguments. I'm very curious to know what our listeners think. With that in mind, I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, and thank you as well, Daniel, for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. This concludes Exploring Art Podcast. Please subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us soon. Remember to stay curious.